Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Comeback Stories. I got my man Donnie here with me, as always. Donnie, what's up, man? Big D, good to be here with you good virtually for me today. Yes, sir. Good to have you here, bro. We got an amazing guest here today, someone that really uh, blew me away. Um, if you haven't looked on uh, Netflix and seen Three Mics, uh, stand-up comedy by this man, uh, I really highly recommend it. Uh, incredibly creative and guys like me and Donnie uh, are so big on vulnerability it just struck me on so many levels uh, you may know this man as a director and a writer uh, for the Chappelle show hey Darren Darren I got another one now I got blocks now on Netflix as well so don't let's not just do one special I got two. Oh my god my bad Let me go. <laughs> so, you know Darren Darren I also I have a note uh, before I even I you know I direct commercials sometimes and uh, I direct a lot of athletes and um and like i did the lebron sprite commercial that i've done a bunch of them i did the one with um all snoop and sandberg whatever i want you to do the opening again but i need more excitement what's up like what's up everybody <laughs> welcome to another episode you ready yes, sir. because the problem is athletes you guys are all about like deep voice and like what's up y'all <laughs> it doesn't you can't express very much at that register so you gotta Give me a high pitched opening and then we'll get into the show. Let's do it. This is so Let's great. Do it. All right. High pitch. Let's high do pitch. It. Okay. Like, what's up? What's up, everybody? Anytime. Yeah, you want me to count you in? Go right, go right, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. And high pitch and three, two, one, action. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Comeback Stories. Darren Waller here. Got my man Donnie Starkins in the building as well. We have an amazing guest with us today, someone that captivated me with his special on Netflix, Three Mics. He also has blocks on Netflix as well. My man's directing Sprite commercials out here. My man's doing everything, man, writing for the Chappelle Show. I mean, you name it, my man can do it. Uh, love to welcome Neil Brennan to the show. Neil, thank you for being here. Man, all right, let me just say, talk about comeback stories. <laughs> that the first take was uh, a B minus, and that was an A. And I still think you got room left to improve. Uh, I demand that you keep in the bad opening because people need to see improvement on the show. I'm with you. And, um, and, um, and I'm, it's glad to be here. And remember what I said. Athletes, I literally, you have the same vocal pitch as um, Devin Booker. So you guys could sound like, if I close my eyes, you guys sound alike. And I was having him go like, ah. <laughs> so I'm telling you, get you can do more. Great to be here. Anyhow, it's my way of saying great to be here. <laughs> great to have you here, man. Uh, we love to dive right into to your story. Could you tell us what growing up for you was like? Okay, growing up was, uh, I'm one of 10 kids, right? Um, youngest of 10. I think people don't really do anymore. Um, uh, Irish Catholic parents, and that's just how they did it, you know. So, um, so it's my dad was a alcoholic. Didn't have to be, but he was. Um, and uh, and you know, ten kids is probably too many to raise with like real. You know, to get like the nutrients, the love nutrients one needs, 
a lot of violence, chaos, and um, and but at the you know the flip side is my dad was a lawyer, so like we had resources somewhat for we did once we shed about nine about seven kids um, once they moved out um, and uh, and. So, so I, I'm I'm grateful for the resources uh, that I've received from my parents, but some of the some of the rest of it was kind of lacking. And then, but having said that, I did get um, my brothers and comedians. So I got, you know, I got sort of entree into the world of comedy from the from the time I was in high school, which is huge, you know. And it made it seem like a real thing I could do. And it wasn't this lofty, like, do you think maybe I could, like, I saw people doing it. So, um, so yeah, so that was sort of the, I mean, I could literally talk endlessly, but that's the, that's the childhood one. Uh, that's like the short answer for childhood. Hmm. Uh, growing up with an alcoholic, I imagine it's a chaotic environment uh, very frequently. But is there a distinct moment of pain that stands out to you from your childhood that may have affected you or the perspective that you had towards life? Uh, it's a good question. I think, you know, there's the thing about alcoholism and violence, if you grew up in a violent home, it's the unpredictability. You know, like that's the hard part. It's like not, you never know when it's going to happen and and why and by the way the reason the reasoning is never good it's never like oh yeah i had that smack comment it's always random and to my mind it i mean it's never necessary ever and you know so it kind of makes you generally like defensive um which sucks as a mo for life um and, uh, yeah, so that would be the, there's no one moment, which is kind of worse. You know what I mean? Kind of worse. Like, oh, I knew when X happened, if it rained, I was, there was no through line to what was, you know, what was going to happen. Mm. Uh, in, in three mics, uh, one thing that stood out to me was you talked about how, uh, ego and adrenaline played a role in how you, uh, responded to uh, the environment you grew up in or just a way to find an escape? Could you uh, explain more of that? Yeah. The, because of, um, you know, I, like I don't, I think like because I was sort of always worried about getting, being around chaos and violence, it makes you mute yourself a little bit uh, overall. And, and also my dad was a narcissist, so that kind of like sort of, makes it's he takes all the oxygen out so you kind of can't get any um and uh so as an adult like i like i i can't say i've experienced or did certainly i've, I've progressed in the past few years but i don't really know how to experience like joy and connection i wouldn't say connection let's say joy um so i would just try to achieve shit you know mm. I would try to sell a movie or do a TV show or direct a thing and the da, 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 you know, like uh, try to accomplish my way out of feeling um, flat or feeling bad, you know? And then you realize 
you achieve enough stuff and you're like, hmm, all right, that didn't work either. Now what? You know? Mm. Uh, where do you guys do that? Yeah, I've done that <laughs> my entire life. I, I feel like I'm now finally starting to find some growth <clears throat> out of uh, trying to perform my way into feeling good or or feeling okay. Like ever since I was a kid, I mean, it started for me like uh, my pain moment was uh, constantly, consistently, every day being told that I wasn't black enough. Like why you're black? Why do you oh, talk like this? Interesting. You're black. Why do you listen to this kind of music? You're black. Why do you uh, care so much about, you know, talking properly and having good grades? So it was like every environment I went into, everything that I did, I felt like I didn't belong. And I always had to put on a mask or do a certain dance in order for you to give me a thumbs up because I felt like me just coming to the table as who I was, nothing else added to the picture. Something was always wrong with it. Something was always being picked at for it. So I felt like through football, being growing up in the South where football is religion, literally. Um, yeah. Like that there's no way that I can't impress you through what I can do on the field. And, um, and so that is just the, the main of it. But I mean, it goes into women, it goes into – I mean, you name it, but I mean, I'm, I'm really now at 30 years old finding my way out of that, but still battling with it. Well, but you, what's, I don't know how you, um, experienced it, but you can still run as fast, right? Even if you're not, <laughs> even if your entire worth isn't dependent on it, yeah. like I'm assuming your 40 time hasn't gone down that much. Uh, this is, yes, it's true. But that's when people go, well, I don't want to get health. People say in comedy, they go, well, I don't want to get healthy because I don't want to lose my edge. And what you realize is like, your body's going to do it. My body's going to spit out jokes. And I mean, it just is. It's just going to spit out your, you know, your body's going to do football, you know, to quote my own it's, joke. Well, it's um, interesting like, that you bring bring that up. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I'm. Well, I was just saying that it's, it, it's interesting that you bring it up about the achieving. Um, if you've ever or those listening ever taken the Enneagram test, um, I'm an achiever. So you bringing that up and then asking us about that, and my achievement came from well, it came from validation through baseball, like through performance achieving. A lot of that is rooted in getting validation through my through my dad through performance, but then being an athlete and everything so performance based and statistical based, and how that just was. I was so rooted in caring what other people think, and if I do this, I will have approval. But um, and then you bring it up for comedians saying that I I get healthy, I'll lose my edge. So it's basically this admired self. It's the false self, or like you mentioned, the ego. And at some point, like we have to break free from that, right? It's it's not the essence of who we truly are, and so achievers can achieve a lot of things, but it's not it's not really us showing up as the true version of ourselves. And there's an author, Richard Rohr, who talks about we only get a couple opportunities in our lives to break through, break free from this this admired self or this ego, and a lot of this is it's in the work. It's in the work that you've dove into Darren's dove into. And I think that's where we truly find our freedom is breaking free from that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And then another part of me is like, well, easy for us to say, Yeah, you know, meaning 
We've all made money. It's like drug addicts that go, don't be like me. <laughs> you know, it's like, I. Yeah, we did a sketch at Chappelle show one time where it was like Dar- um, uh, Tyrone Biggums, the crackhead, who was like teaching the kids and he's talking about his glory. Basically, his glory days of doing drugs. <laughs> and the kids are like, this sounds wonderful. <laughs> so it's like, we're all going like, you don't want these millions. <laughs> you know, like this isn't the true me. I, so I, there is a, there is something to achieving, um, and if you can achieve with some level of integrity, or achieve with some level of your your person, your true self intact, that would be ideal. I don't know. I've actually been doing a joke recently about like athletes and mental health and i'm like i want mental health for everybody but not athletes um because like (laughs) michael jordan's not the healthiest guy i've ever seen emotionally (laughs) but okay pretty good at basketball you know what i mean so it's like it's that's kind of my i'm i'm a bit i'm of two minds i'll say that like i i think we're right and I think uh, I have to, I can't knock the, my, my former hustle, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, I can't exactly be like, because then you might, maybe you wouldn't be here if you weren't worried about being black enough or worried about performing. Or you, you know what I mean? Like, mm. so, and again, it's a contradiction. And I don't, there's no like neat conclusion. There's no like, and this, you should be this amount of athlete and this amount of crazy and this amount of dog. You saw that video of the guy the other night crying, the guy from Detroit who was crying. And he's like, we got dogs. He's crying. And then he's like, but y'all be talking about Detroit. (laughs) Like the guy who makes a total switch. And it's like, you see him doing the thing of like, and maybe they're both valuable. Mm. You know, like maybe you can cry about your grandfather and then say, we got a lot of dogs over here. <laughs> you know, I, feel, I, feel I don't know. I, no, I feel you on that. Cause... I don't, but I don't think that you would. It's like you've got, you've got, how long, Donnie, how long did you play? You played in the majors for a while? No, I played all the way up to my senior year in college at Arizona State. Got it. Um, and what do you, what have you done? Uh, what's your, what, how'd you get it as an adult? How'd you get the juice? So I got the juice from the pain definitely. Cause I got addicted to pain pills from the, I had a massive surgery on my left knee. It was the fifth surgery on my knee. It was a traumatic cadaver transplant. Um, got prescribed 80 Percocet a week for a month straight, got cut, cut off cold Turkey. And that really sent me down this long road of, just destructive living and addiction until my life got so bad years later, I ended up in rehab. Um, and in rehab, it was getting really curious, like what the fuck happened to my life going from a baseball player star to a drug addict. And when I took ownership, it was, I didn't want to feel the emotional pain of the loss of my identity, my purpose, the love of my life. The only thing I ever knew because I got all my validation through baseball. So when that's stripped of you, it completely destroyed me. And so it's all through the pain. And when I started to share my story on a way smaller platform than where Darren shared his story, that's when everything changed for me. 
So I like, I thank the pain and I thank that doctor who hacked up my knee and gave me all those painkillers because it's, it's the reason us three are talking here today. It's so fucking cool. And, uh, in, and you talked about it earlier about easy for us to say, because we've achieved things, but that's kind of why Darren and I wanted to start this, this podcast is because they think people put athletes, celebrities on pedestals as if they don't have shit. And so someone like you to come on and, and speak so openly about your stuff, like this is what it's all about. And truly, I think Darren and I have talked about this. This is what sets us free and gives us a purpose beyond anything that we could achieve through, you know, sports, performance, celebrity, all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a podcast now too, based on the new Netflix called blocks where I'm having people come on and talk about their blocks, like the things that make them feel crazy or deficient in some way. And like Letterman, David Letterman came on the first episode and he spilled the beans on himself. Like he was, you know, he stayed, if he had a bad show, he would stay, he wouldn't leave the studio until the sun went down. I was like, Dave, that's like nine at night. And he's like, no, I'm talking about 10, 30, 11. And this is like 25 years into doing the show, Mm. you know? So it's, it all, we are all um, more vulnerable. And I think it's a long, uh, we've got a long way to go. I'm glad we've started. I'm I'm talking more about male vulnerability. It's like, Darren, I'm sure you see all the guys like, I don't know what you'd be on that shit on that podcast. What like, you know, I'm sure they're all like, the energy changes when I come, the energy that. changes when I come around and start having conversations. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's like it's like Charlemagne, the DJ, the radio host, uh, said he went to therapy because I talked about it, which is insane. Wow. You know what I mean? Like he heard me talk about it. And was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So. It's like a slow, it's a kind of slow chain reaction, I think, of uh, making it more acceptable for, for us to have. I mean, I would say the only male emotions are boredom and anger. Um, we're always like, oh, this fucking sucks. This fucking sucks, and I'm bored. Um, so, so, yeah, like expanding the definitions and, and, and I'm sure, are you in a 12-step program, Donnie? Or have you worked? I am. Program? I mean, I'm, I, I'm, uh, I, I've been in 12-step AA, NA. I have what I like to call a sobriety 2.0 these days that um, includes plant medicine. Um, I feel like that set me on a completely um, whole nother level of sobriety, including so Do we talk about that? Sobriety. Do we talk about here on, that on here? Yeah. Hell, hell yeah. Which, plant, which yeah. plants are you dealing with? So a year ago, so nine years sober with nothing in my system, I did my first psilocybin journey almost exactly a year ago here in North County, San Diego. And since then I've done, um, I was five, five grams hero dose blindfolded. It was like one of the most transformational, not easy. The first hour was extremely difficult because I wasn't surrendering to the medicine and my ego was doing everything to fight it. It was terrifying and hard. And then once I surrendered some beautiful grief and um, it was quite an amazing journey, not always easy, but a lot of freedom in it. And then um, since then I've done two, I've done a couple combo ceremonies. One was actually a Joshua tree. It was combo bufo um, mushrooms, all an immersion of all the same day, which was like 
completely life changing. And Careful. people say, "Wow, that sounds." In- <clears throat> well, people say that sounds intense, but really, co- combo was intense because it's physical. But the other two, my co- Bufo, my first experience was the most gentle, loving, heart opening experience I ever had. And then that night, it was just the mushrooms was really like an integration and a reflection of what happened. How many grams did you do? Day. How many grams of mushrooms did you do? Uh, the second time it was like, yeah. it was like two grams or yeah, two, it was yeah. two grams. Yeah. Um, so it's changed yeah, everything. It's changed the way I see the world. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, no, I want to hear it. Keep talking. No, Keep I talking. just said it just completely, it busted my heart wide open. When I did the first Bufo ceremony, I started verbalizing out loud in the ceremony. I'm safe. I'm safe. Cause I went there to the presence of the God of my own understanding. I didn't see anything, see a face, but I felt God or spirit. And it, I felt so safe that I started saying it out loud. And, and then it just made me realize my whole life, everything I've ever done was to feel safe, all the achieving, the validation and caring what other people think. So to drop into that and actually start saying that and feel that, how could I ever come back the same? All that little shit, the little things that used to matter and caring what other people think, once you like break through, break free of the limitations of the mind and experience that, you really can't come back the same. And so it was completely um, life changing and the most heart opening experience I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I had, I did. Uh... Darren, have you done any of this? Uh, I've done ketamine with my therapist twice, and I did a bufo journey with guests of the show, Don, and my man Donnie was there as well. Um, how'd you like Bufo? Uh, Bufo was a journey for me. Um, uh, I remember they, when I went coming out of it, they said that there was a moment early on where it's like, you could see I was kind of fighting it. And then I sat up and I was like shaking my head, uh, back and forth. Like, uh, like my life was depending on it as it was put word for word. But then from there, you know, I kind of soothed back in, but there were these, these parts in there to where it was just like. Uh, it ended up being like a confirmation of, of my journey because there were parts where I literally felt like I was beneath uh, like broken glass, like shards of glass, and like I couldn't move. And it was almost like it felt like the a lot of the anxiety I felt most of my life of like taking one wrong step or making one mistake is going to be the death of me where it really just in that journey, it taught me to to relax amidst that glass. And at some point, it'll all start to start to fade if I let it. Because really, like, it's me holding on to it, me keeping myself close to it, and me hurting myself by not relaxing and allowing it to happen. And then there were other moments where it was, I saw, like, the grooves of my brain and seeing, like, color mm-hmm. color go into it because, you know, my whole life, there, there's been no um, self-affirmation uh, practice. There's been no real, like, self-esteem and confidence and just me, like, you know, verbalizing the way that I feel and, and, and building myself up. That, that's never really been a thing. So from there, you know, uh, I went into it with a, a affirmation of I am protected, I am powerful, I am peace. And, and it was almost like it was confirmation of that mantra weaving into my brain. And it's something that coming out of that, it's allowed me to take the strides, like I was saying, about not having to impress, not having to achieve or uh, prove to somebody else that, uh, I'm worthy. And so it's just continuing to build in that journey. I don't feel like everything is fixed from it, but I feel like it's confirmation that I'm on the right path with the spiritual work that I'm trying to do. Great. On my Bufo experience, I lost my fucking mind. 
Um, I, uh, my Bufo was not, well, the experience was wild. The experience was, I, it always sounded too severe to me, Bufo. And then, and then I did it and I was like, yep, I was right. Uh, too severe for me. Um, and my, my experience was, you know, I went to, uh, what Michael Pollan, the writer referred to who did Bufo, he referred to it as going to before the big bang to where I went. And, uh, it, it was wild. It was wild. The worst part was I had a thing. I, I smoked it. I don't know about you guys. I had a thing called a reactivation where like a week later I started drifting back into it. Now I'm like in New York doing the show, the new Netflix blocks now streaming, doing that show. And like, I'm somewhere between alive and in that other world of like eternal light. <laughs> and I was kind of like that for two days. And it was so disorienting. I thought I may have to kill myself because this is too disorienting. And, uh, I got a little bit better every day, but it took, I'm not kidding, like five or six months. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. So I say that to say like, Bufo, this is for anyone. You can have all kinds of experiences. The punchline to the story is that after the six months, I'm a better version of myself than I've ever been. But the process of getting there was uh, the worst thing I'll ever experience. Uh, like I, without a doubt, wow. like worse than death, like death will be people are like, that sounds terrifying. I was like, I would have paid money for terrifying. <laughs> like I wished I was terrified. I was so far past terrified. Um, but it changed my body and it changed my brain. Um, when I say it changed my body, like, yeah, I got a six pack now. Uh, no, it, it changed my body in that, in that I just metabolize experiences different. I, I can fall in love easily. Like I'm funnier, um, less depressed, no depression, no anxiety. Like, but like the process was, uh, I mean, I would have killed myself. I had the thought during it, I wouldn't wish this on Adolf Hitler. It was, I was so far gone. I was literally between alive and dead or what we experienced is what I believe I would. I didn't kill myself because I thought I'm just going to be going into more of this. Mm. So I'm not going to kill myself because I couldn't, I was like, I don't want, this is awful. I don't want to go into it headlong. So, so I got a lot out of it. Uh, but it was, it was, uh, it was wild. I've also done a good amount of ayahuasca and that's always been, that's been a little crazy, but always beautiful. And I went from being an atheist to a believer in a spirit. So huge, you know, <laughs> but, uh, from the, from yeah. the, the medicine of ayahuasca, from the aya, went yeah, from from the aya I the... went literally, I think my third aya journey, I was like, Oh, I'm in the presence of God right now. Okay. 
I was an atheist. I was like, okay, I'm in the presence of God. Fair enough. Like, you, I just needed to see. I just needed to feel it. It was like going to church. I grew up Catholic, so church was just like uh, they, it wasn't what they – whatever it was supposed to do, it would never did. You know? It never did, like, deliver. And this – ayahuasca is the first spiritual – experience i had that delivered completely you said ufo made you a better person a better version of yourself in the in that six month process of working through all that shit what was like what was the process or what was some of the work that's the thing there was no because somebody was saying you should write about it and i was like it's not even it's the problem is it was like an on and off switch it was, it was, uh, it wasn't like, and in that time I learned it was, my body was one way and then it was another way. It was like some poof. I mean, the poof took six months, but like, it was, it was like before, after with no process to speak of other than just being less, um, disoriented over time just got like it went from i was like sick i believe like mine was like more than a year ago it was like november 1st is when i inhaled november 7th i had the reactivation and i'd say this year probably june july i finally was like completely myself but i was on a plane that got turbulence and my first thought was what am i not where am i not who am i what am I <laughs> like what species shit like understanding comp- I mean 35 trillion feet <laughs> I couldn't watch um, Apple screensaver Apple TV screensavers like those real crisp like mountains and nature I was like nah I can't look at it <laughs> it was just too like nah I I it was like I couldn't look at it because I knew how, or I believed I know, whatever. I believed I, un, when people go that mountain's 500,000 years old and that crazy, and you're like, yeah, that's crazy. But meanwhile, fucking nothing happened. I understood how old mountains were and how old the ocean is and how deep, like, and it's, you're not supposed to think about it. You're not, we're not supposed to comprehend it. We have these blinders on that keep us like just for comprehension. And then this was like, and it was way too much. Anyhow, do you remember what your, maybe do it or maybe do you remember, (laughs) do you remember what your initial intention was like leading up to it or what the intention you set was prior to? You know, what's funny is I don't really remember the intention. I'm always looking for more joy. And maybe I got it. But again, it was one of these things of like, be careful what you wish for. Because they don't say how you're going to get it. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to get it. You don't know what the process is going to be. In this case, in this case, it was like, oh, yeah, okay. Joy, cool. Let's run the joy program. But I didn't know what it was. And then I experienced it and I was like, oh, this is way too much for me <laughs> to bear, like way too much. But 
I got it. <laughs> I want to backtrack. But it. I was at the absolute edge of my own comprehension. Mm. So yeah, backtrack. Wow. I want to backtrack a little bit to um, before you went on these journeys of healing and trying to find answers and trying to find yourself. Was there like a particular low point that may have driven you to want to seek these things out or seek a healing journey? Um, not, I can't say that there was, there was no bottom. Um, it was just, it was just like, um, I was just kind of not always at a bottom. I was just kind of like, eh, just never experienced any joy. Like would do all these things and do stuff and do this and stand up and directing and friends and all this stuff. But I just was like, Oh, okay, this is cool. I wasn't like completely disaffected, but I was never, uh, overjoyed, you know, or even joyed. Um, so I'm always looking for, uh, you know, I, I, I had the thought recently that I'm like, um, I'm like a Karen, but for my emotional state where I'm like, nah, this can't be it. Send it back. We got to I want, let me speak to the manager. What do you got? I'm not going to be like this. And then they're like, we have Zoloft. I'm like, give it to me. Give me Zoloft. And then I take Zoloft for a couple of years. And I'm like, nah, not quite right. Let me, what else you got? And then it's like, well, you could microdose. Okay, we'll try microdose. Made me spacey late in the day. Didn't love it. All right, what else you got? And then somebody sent me an article about um, ayahuasca. And I was like, okay, I'll do this. And it was, so it was more about not accepting my uh, sort of default state, which I think a lot of people do. People just accept like, oh, this is what I'm like. It's like, you don't have to be any one way, mm. you know, like you can um, be more than what you've been, you know, and in some ways I feel like my purpose if i whatever I, sometimes i you know how you go like that's not my purpose maybe this is my purpose you get like a new purpose every couple months um sometimes i think my purpose was to or, or one of my purposes is to have enough resources to be able to explore a bunch of different things and talk about them you know talk about on, on a big platform where millions of people can hear me and I can good, bad, and ugly. I can talk about my emotional experience and, and share my vulnerability and without shame and have people hear it. And, you know, I don't know if you guys get this, but I've talked about, you know, this thing called TMS, which is another modality of antidepressant, Keith. Um, and, uh, and, I had someone text, I get DMs almost every day about like, I, when, I didn't know about it until you talked about it on the daily show five years ago. And because of you, literally I got like, you saved my life two days ago, three days ago. Like I get them not every day, but almost every day. Um, so not like that's my purpose is like, I'm saving lives every other day. Um, but it is, you know, we're in a nice, we're in a, we're in a lucky position as, as it pertains to that, for sure. 
I mean, I, I saw Purpose jump off the screen the moment I first saw your uh, stand-up special. Uh, just the way that you weave comedy and just sheer vulnerability together. Because uh, that's how, I mean, I whenever things weren't going great in my life, I could always, like, find a way to make a joke about it or find a way to, like, laugh so I didn't cry or, or I didn't, like, completely crumble on the inside. So I just want to say, like, I see Purpose, like, I don't even really like with most people, like it's like, okay, like I see what they're about, but it's like with you, it's just like clear cut. Like I have not seen anybody go about sharing their message and engaging the world in the way that you have. And with that, um, uh, you talked about how you felt like you were hiding and you always were like dying to hide. And uh, yeah. what was the process like of, of confronting that feeling, confronting that emotion and uh, trying to find some kind of progress or freedom from that? Well, that's when I, when you guys wanted me to do the podcast, I assumed it was like about some sort of comeback. Right. And, uh, and so I assumed you meant like, I mean, I was, you know, on a comedy team with Dave Chappelle. So, um, and, uh, and, and, and then it ended abruptly at the height of the, uh, the height of the partnership, you know? So I was sort of, you know, the space shuttle exploded and I was, I was like fluttering down to earth, you know? And I had to figure out a way to make a, have a life independent of another person. And, uh, and it like wasn't easy and it took me a long time. I mean, I started doing stand up pretty, he left in 05 and then I started in 07. So I had done a little bit before that, but so it was just hard. It was hard to figure out because there was a lot of people who thought I was like, Hey, would just discount me and go me. Dave's plus one. Dave's hanger on. No one ever goes. So that guy's the greatest comedian of all time or up there. And he always, wants to write with that guy <laughs> no one ever goes he must that, that other guy must be good <laughs> they just go like, no uh you suck and he's great and it's like that's some old partnership shit so um like people only like one of you to be good everyone's always trying to figure out like who's the weak link um because they don't want both of you to they don't have to respect two people uh so so i had to figure out uh, a way to develop my own voice and to figure out how to be a comedian. And that took, I don't know that I, again, six months, uh, three months was came out. Uh, I started it probably eight years into stand up. So I'd done a comedy central special before that. That's funny. Um, but I had to figure out how to do it. I had to figure out like step one, like how to be on stage, how to perform, how to project my voice, how not to get rattled, how to, you know, like it's a different job. It's like going from coaching to playing, you know, um, and it's easy to be, you know, a lot of the what I was doing on Spellship was writing and directing and stuff. So it wasn't like night and day, but that, that's the challenge that no one ever says like that must have been hard to be. Dave Chappelle's partner to being a comedian like he is like, yeah, it was fucking pretty hard. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, uh, so, so figuring out, 
how to do that and the embarrassment of it, like the embarrassment and the vulnerability of it. And not, you know, the thing about being in a partnership is you can hide in a, in a way that, um, it's not even like consciously, it's just easier. It's just easier when you've got, when you've got two people lifting the, the bucket, it's just easier. So, uh, to say nothing of writing a thing and then he says it, it's like fucking going to come out correctly. Um, so, so that was the, that was the hard part. And like I said, the embarrassment of going from, uh, you know, Kings of the school to just a student and trying to become a King of the school on my own with a bit of resentment from people because they somehow assumed that I was using, I'd done the show to catapult into comp and stand up or just like, I just like writing and directing the show. Like I like doing that. I would have been happy doing that. So, so I guess I, the, the hardest part was, was the, like the doing it was hard and the driving around to MC an hour each way and all that stuff, just like the dumb, embarrassing grunt work. But it was the resentment that always got me as like, so unfair and so um, untrue to me you know what do you feel like you learned most about yourself in that whole process um that i think one of the things i learned is that i'm durable i always knew that but durability is a is a big is a, is a uh you know people like people like boots for that reason, it's durable. Um, uh, but you know, people like getting a Louis Vuitton bag. Part of it's because it's a lifetime warranty. And uh, and I would say I have a lifetime warranty on myself. Like I got it. Like I'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Like I will. I'm good at. Um, I'm good at pattern recognition. So. If you show me the pattern enough, I'll figure it out and I can go that way. Like even doing three mics the way I did it was like I'd done regular stand-up specials and people didn't care. So I was like, well, I'm just not going to do another one. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to waste my time and their time on a thing that, that, uh, that 40 other people do better than me. So let me do a thing that only I can do, which is I'm a good writer in more than comedy. I can write fit whatever the fucking middle mic is. So, I mean, the middle mic is Donnie, the middle mic is an AA share. If we're being honest, uh, cause there's no more arresting. I'm the best monologues or performances I've ever seen are in AA in Al-Anon meetings. So, um, so like it's basically that. And, and then within that, I mean, it was like recognizing not even a need. It was recognizing a deficit kind of in myself, which is like, I'm not as good at stand up as like Rock or Dave or Tosh or Jim Jeffries or Bill Burr. Like, I could name John Mulaney, like fucking Al. Like, I can name a lot of people that I think are better than me, but I can take other things 
I can take, I can direct, I can produce, I can write, I can do all these things and make a, a special that's as impactful as theirs, you know? So that was more the, that was the thing. And the funny thing was that I, that speaks to the thing I said earlier, which is like approval works as approval feels good and approval can heal some shit. I'm afraid to say, you know, like I was looking for adrenaline and, uh, what did I say? Achievement and adrenaline, uh, uh, ego and ego. Yeah. And I don't know if three mics is really the, or the, the, like the success or the acceptance or the, whatever the praise is ego so much as like fulfillment, you know, it is, it was fulfilling. I'm sorry to say the, the response was fulfilling. It did feel really good in a way that like my overall <laughs> self-esteem stores went up a little. It's, you know what I mean? It's not supposed to, we're supposed to be like, no, that's not, but it went up. It went up overall. Like I feel, I felt a little better every day after than I did before, mm. you know? Um, and now I can, I can, maybe I'd like to think it's not ego and not narcissism, but, but it's possible. And, and it's, so it's possible it isn't. And we can just focus on the, being in purpose part of it, which is also true. No, I'm glad you brought, um, I'm glad you brought that is, up. Cause, um, which part the ego part? Um, just the part of the approval actually, because, uh, work that I do with my sponsor a lot, he's always on my head about, because I go to these emotional extremes, right? He paints this picture of a scale one to 10. And for me growing up, it was like really lacking self-esteem. There's like, okay, 10 is like absolute egomania. But by by not wanting to yeah. be a ten, I go all the way to one to where there's like, literally like, there's no confidence, there's no there's no path for humility because I don't even see the good that I bring to the table. There's no balance there. So as far as like approval, as yeah, far I as know like people that do that, yeah, and it's like as far as approval, respect, um, things in society, like as human beings, like we naturally want to feel those things. We naturally seek these things, but it's about seeking it in balance. So it's not, um, I need everyone's approval in the world. It's not, um, fuck everybody's approval. I don't need shit. Like it's finding that my sponsor always says, be a five, find the five in the middle to where it's in purpose. People approve of what I'm doing and it confirms to me that I'm on the right path. And as opposed to going to these extremes all the time that have me on these fucking wild ass roller coasters. Yeah. And, and yeah, I know people that do that. Like I got a buddy right now who's got a release. My friend, Andrew Stantino released a Netflix special today. I'm sure it's great. I haven't seen the final, but like the hour was great. And, uh, and he was saying he wants to look at his Instagram comments and he doesn't want to, you know what I mean? I'm like, dude, it's a, we only release like five of these in our lives. Like (laughs) enjoy it. Instead of like, because I know people that are very like, "Mm, I don't want to get to Chris Rock, honestly, will not enjoy shit. And, and I'm like, dude, you're great. And he's like, ah, ah, and it's like, just fucking be, acknowledge it, enjoy it, enjoy it. You know, like my buddy, I'm like, there's only a hundred people on earth that have had Netflix specials. 
it's a rare thing. There's only so many guys playing the NFL. There's like, there's, there's, I'm not saying you got to be like mean mugging people and being like holding your chain up and shit. You just, <laughs> you just, for yourself, you can enjoy it, you know? Facts. Um, Darren, were you on real sports? Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, I don't, was it like a few months ago, I believe? Yeah, all right, good. It's funny. Life's wild. Cause I was like, I thought it was you, and then I forgot it was you, <laughs> because I was watched it. And I, was, I watched all of them, but but it's funny how how uh, how you see somebody and be like I fuck with that dude, and then they then they DM you. Um, uh, life's like that sometimes, but um, but yeah, you're doing. You're like trying to do shit. Yeah, again, this is not none of the shits. Uh, easy and there's also not a lot i was talking to a buddy on my podcast yesterday my friend sebastian maniscalco is a great comedian and you know netflix special whatever and he was saying like i don't know about money like i've never been rich like this and i'm probably going to cut it out because it's so not relatable but it's like it's no one there's so many of these things where we get we're very fortunate and it's got its own pitfalls that no one will talk about. You know what I mean? Like it just, and, and it's hard to, uh, no, like you can't have that five conversation with many people. You know what I mean? Like meaning like people are, Oh, was it hard being in, is it hard being in the NFL? Is it hard being famous? <laughs> oh, boo hoo. It's like, it's, it's not unchallenging. I, you know what I mean? Like, um, so, so yeah. None of the shit's easy. I hear a lot of uh, a lot of awareness in just your words and your intentions on what you're doing and the content and what you're putting out there. What are your practices these days? How do you um, keep and cultivate that awareness, like daily practices, morning routines, rituals? Like, what does that look like for you? Well, again, this is that that um, DMT thing. There's like it's almost like pre me and post me, the ayahuasca and DMT. Um, lately when I was in Thailand last week, like I, what, it was too much city. It was too much chaos and cars and small uh, debris and just like trash. And, and I was like, I need nature. I don't even fuck with nature. I don't really like nature like that. Uh, but I'm starting to realize like, oh, I need some nature in my life. Like, and I've wanted to go to sleep earlier, which I've never wanted before. Uh, I'm going to set up an altar with like fucking goofy ass crystals and shit on it. Um, like, like I'm, I'm a shame on me. I mean, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing an ayahuasca bracelet. I've been, I've had this thing on for two years. Where's that? Where are you? Ayahuasca bracelet. There it is. You can't I think really I might have it, one on similar. Yeah, similar to yours. Yeah, yeah, sure is. Wichos, yeah, Sh- yeah, yeah, Shipibo tribe, et cetera, et cetera. So, <laughs> um, I'm not. I mean, I've been working with clairvoyant, dude. I'm a, I'm embarrassed the amount of stuff I do now. Uh, but, but I, I went from believing nothing to believing anything. Where I'm like, all right, crystals, yes. Anklets, of course. Uh, mirrors to do a spell. 
Absolutely. Um, have I had mirrors in my back door window for the last 30 days? Yes. Of course, I have two mirrors because I had to get a spell off of me, guys. You get it. A white witch from the England, me and we did a Zoom and we did a, we got a spell off me. Look, I could go on and on. You guys know that. <laughs> but I just don't have any embarrassments. Like, I just don't care. I don't care. Like, what do you, I don't. I've been asking on the podcast, like, do you pray to people? I didn't believe in God two years ago. <laughs> so, uh, like, I'm not uh, tied to any version of myself that it goes to that Karen thing of, like, no, run this, uh, send it back, send it back. Like, I'm not tied to, I don't, if I, if I'm, if I'm like happier not doing comedy, I'm not doing comedy anymore. I don't care. Like, mm. or whatever the thing is, what I love Darren in your field. Like I, when guys retire suddenly, nothing makes me happier. Whew, facts. Hey, like, there's, hey, there, hey straight up, straight up, straight up. There's a dude on our team. Um, uh, uh, his name is Blake Martinez. He sold a Pokemon card. I think we was in Jacksonville. He sold a Pokemon card for like one point two million dollars, and bro retired like two days later when we got back from the road trip. I was like, I'm not, I'm not fucking with this shit no more. And I was like, Yeah, respect, my boy. Yeah, yep. Um, so like, I'm not, I'm again, I'm not for like make rash decisions. I'm, I'm saying, I like when people are are uh, not held down by their former identity. You know, wow, straight up, it's just a trap. It's a lot just of like this... it, you don't have to do anything, like, you don't have to do any of this. You you have to live inside, probably. You need running, whatever, whatever. But, like, did you ever think you'd deal with the so word... many homeless people there? Nah, I never thought I'd be doing, yeah, exactly. The shit I'm doing, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, okay, I guess this is what I do now. It's the same you. It's a better version of you, but it's the same core, you know? Um, so. I feel like the word that keeps coming up for me is uh, freedom, just hearing you talk, like true freedom. And I think that's where, if I think about sobriety as the first step to that freedom, achieving a freedom I never knew was possible, working through the 12 steps and working through my shit. And then sobriety 2.0 with the plant medicines and breaking through all those other limitations um, is is freedom. And I hear that in your words where like to not give a fuck anymore about what anybody else thinks and be open to the magic and mystery of life and not be tied to these old beliefs that crystals are weird or woo woo. It's like all such broken down um, old belief systems um, but just as you were explaining everything on what you're doing now and how, you know, three men talking on a podcast for me, you know, 10 years ago would be like, this isn't the shit I would ever talk about. I wouldn't talk about the loving ourselves first. It was like, no, push through the pain. Don't show emotion. Never let them see you sweat. So it's always an honor. And this is why Darren and I started this podcast was to like, you know, bring people on who from the world's perspective might look like they have all their shit together and have this amazing life. But when they actually get to share their shit, like you're doing, this is like when, when you're talking about purpose where I can just take a step back and go, fuck yes. Like this is exactly why we wanted to do this. So 
thank you for sharing everything. It's beautiful, man. Yeah. And again, I don't, you know, like I said, maybe my purpose is to do this stuff. Maybe it, maybe it is, maybe it's, maybe, it, maybe it's like, it's all a bridge to a different thing, you know? Like it's you try this Freedom. and then you try like I'm yeah, I'm oh yes, a better like a better it's an update. I mean, didn't you guys feel or maybe you did or didn't, but I've I've had the experience on plants where it's you're getting a new uh operating system. And my my issue was I was still alive. Where it was like, hey, you know they put the computers to sleep. <laughs> For this, where I was like going places and fucking living, and then like, and it's like, yo, can we stop? Can we choose? Can we do this when I'm asleep? Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, it's like it's not getting tied to who you are, and and actually uh, distilling yourself down to what you really are who you what do you like it's one of the hardest things in the world mm. what do i like what am i what do i actually like what like i realized recently like i don't like more than one or two people in in a conversation <laughs> anything else is just disorganized and it just takes a lot like i'm happy people are overusing the word introvert and extrovert now because there is a lot of truth to it like i'm kind of an introvert and I was wondering, like, why do I not ever want to go to a party? Am I just like a misanthrope? No, I just don't. Doesn't move. It doesn't work for me. So just figuring out what doesn't work for you. And in the new one, the blocks one, uh, I'm I'm still grappling with all of the choices I've made in life, like not having kids, not drinking, and not being married, and not and sort of the disapproval of people. And figuring out how to accept myself, despite, you know, all the ways in which people disapprove. And that's hard, um, but it's a thing that I've gotten way better at um, over time, just because you, it's the one of the only, not the only good thing about aging is you just like, you don't like, you can heal quicker. Your emotional wounds heal like a young person's cut. Um, like I, my emotional wounds heal like a seventeen-year-old elbow. Now my elbows can't heal for shit, but but my emotional wounds are like like you know you it used to be days and now it's like minutes or hours to recover from an like an emotionally hard thing. Spinning out, like you mentioned, Darren. No doubt, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it just takes it just takes a long time, and and the DMT, the Bufo, help really help with that. I think because you're durable, you probably had to go through that six month experience of the whole durability thing. They always say the medicine will reveal what it's supposed to, and but um, six months—that's wild, and that reactivation is. And super Donnie, wild, but, but Donnie, pretty... the problem is, I already knew I was durable. It's like medicine. I know this. <laughs> so yeah. So so that was the hard part. Was like I knew I was durable. Tell me something I don't know. They, I had another experience like that on ayahuasca where it was like sort of a. I was it like my mind 
it's called dissolution where my I would have a thought I would think like the word what and my brain would go and it was like yo and I and I thought I was going to be a drug casualty like I'm going to be like a drug casualty like oh you hear about that guy Neil Brennan yeah he did ayahuasca never came back then I was thrust to outer space and the universe was killed meaning babies Saturn dogs black holes, nebula, and I'm just there by myself floating. And it was, that one was another like, oh, so you don't believe in God. Are you, so you're an atheist, huh? Here's the logical conclusion of that. Just, it just ends. <laughs> and, uh, and in my head, I'm like, no, I'm not that anymore. We don't want to know, just <laughs> let's go. We don't need, you don't got to do all this. <laughs> so, so yeah. Oh man. I mean, if I learned anything today, it's that there's no uh, right or wrong process for anybody in their life, in their story. Um, however you come to the place that you're supposed to be is how you come to that place, uh, whether it's practices or not, whether you're in nature or not, whether you pray all the time or not. Like the story that is meant for you is is meant for you, man. And uh, the way that you go about it, the way that you go about your purpose, the way you just go about, you know, continuing to go to from moment to moment, uh, trying to be the best version of yourself, uh, captivated me from the moment I saw you first on Netflix and uh, even still today having this conversation with you, man. Uh, you impacted me today, so I just want to say thank you. Great, man. I mean, there's a lot of good shit in the new one, too, so yeah. feel have at that one as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was nice talking to you guys. It was, uh, I like talking. This is kind of the only, when people are like, is that too deep? I'm like, I don't need to know about <laughs> what number are you? give a shit <laughs> is it fun what's the locker room like right, you'll right. be all right yeah i'm good on that <laughs> yeah exactly the locker room i i gave blake griffin a joke one time the locker room is a bathroom with a carpet is what the locker room like. <laughs> <laughs> um it's fucking disgusting other than the carpet um uh all right donnie great to meet you brother Hey, Thank you, man. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for showing up the way you do yeah. and carrying the message the way you do, man. It's a beautiful thing. Appreciate your time. My pleasure, boys. Man, Be well. Yes. All right. Hey. We're out. What's up, Comeback Stories family? It's Donnie dropping in here. So did you know that Darren and I's relationship started by me being his personal development, mindfulness, and mindset coach? I want to let you know about both my one-on-one -on -one coaching program, The Shift, and my group mastermind, Elevate Your Purpose. These coaching programs are specifically designed for people who are ready to take the next step in their purpose and level up their career, personal finances, and have more connected, deep, and meaningful relationships. My gift and part of my purpose is to help others take that next step in leveling up their lives so that they can have a greater impact on the lives of others, create success that's sustainable yet evolves and grows, and help build a legacy that will outlive your life. If this is calling you, just go to DonnieStarkins.com and apply for either one of my programs.